All right. Well, um, songs, funny things. Uh, Cheryl, first time she heard Shabbat Shalom, she was at a Jewish family's home for Sabbath. She thought they were singing, shut up, sit down. (laughs) So, it's amazing what we hear, right? All right, well, I had a perfectly good sermon prepared last week, and uh, the testimonies took the time. Uh, But waste not, want not, I just made a little adjustment, and uh, we're still in this period of resurrection, and the text that we're looking at covers the first eight days, which will include tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow is the Orthodox Easter. Um, They are a week behind because they always place the resurrection after uh, the entire feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread. Next year, the uh, calendars will be about a month off, and that creates some difficulties for us. We'll work through that. So during the last two weeks, we've experienced the intersection between Judaism and Christianity, the remembrance of the Passover when God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, and the covenant was made with God's people at Sinai as they entered in or were preparing to enter into the land that was promised to Abraham. But it also is a remembrance of Jesus, the one who was sent from God, suffered death, burial as a sacrifice for sins, and was, as we are celebrating, um, resurrected and declared to be the Son of God, bringing salvation to Israel and all of us from the nations who trust in the God of Abraham. I've been uh, reflecting a lot in um, this last year as I'm trying to figure out uh, what I do in this stage of life. Uh, When you've been preaching over 50 years, uh, more like 55 years, uh, it's easy to prepare a sermon. Uh, Easy because you know the biblical text and you can communicate it well. But it's difficult in that you've said it all before, right? And others may hear that fresh and new, but you have a sense that you're just going through the motions. I hope that we're never just going through the motions, because this faith that you and I hold, that we profess, is not just words and stories. It's really our life and our salvation, and that's why we're passing it on to our children and grandchildren. So I want to take a look at John's description of... That first resurrection morning uh, in John chapter 20. So if you'll turn to John chapter 20, we'll, we'll look at that chapter for this, for this message. We believe and therefore we speak, as Paul expresses it, and this faith that you and I hold really is about our life. So John writes these words. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stones already taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and as they were going to the tomb, the two were running together, and the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And swooping and looking in, saw the linen wrappings lying there, but did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, followed him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth 
which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went home again to their own homes. Now John's written this story in the previous thing he tells of the death and the burial of Jesus. And nowhere here does he really uh, describe the resurrection. The, the resurrection is not described uh, in, the, in the scriptures. What we have is Jesus buried and then we have the linens there. So he's written about this, that Jesus was dead and buried. All was lost. And the hopes of what Jesus was going to do for the disciples was gone. The master was dead. And the disciples were bewildered and alone and afraid. Mary Magdalene comes early to the tomb. She sees the stone removed. And the Gospels tell us that other women came with her. But John is just focusing in on Mary for this purpose. Mary assumes that someone has stolen the body. So even more bad news. Not only have we lost the master, but his body has been defiled and taken away. Mary sees the empty tomb. She assumes the body was stolen. What would you have assumed? You'd have assumed the same thing. You wouldn't have thought he's risen. Peter and John, John's described as the other disciple who Jesus loved, run to the tomb when they hear the news that the body is missing. And John gets there first because he's faster. And he stops at the entrance, but he doesn't go in. Peter then goes in and sees the burial cloths lining there. He sees and appears to believe that the body is stolen. He is seen, but he does not believe. John goes in and sees the linen wrappings, but he sees that head cloth wrapped separately as we have on our altar table where we've separated that to remind us of this passage. John says he saw and believed. Believed what? I think John was beginning to dare to believe that Jesus might have risen from the dead. Somebody stole the body. The wrappings should have gone with them. But even if they took the wrappings off and took the body, they wouldn't have folded up that headpiece and placed it in a different, different place. But John tells us something very interesting at this point. He says, verse 9, As yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So they go home. They didn't understand the scriptures. John saw and believed, but it's, it's a slight belief. And they leave. So we pick it up at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. She did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. What would you have supposed? She said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, teacher. Jesus said, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that what he had said to them. Now, Mary apparently comes back after John and Peter go in. She's weeping. She looks in. Now the scene has changed. Instead of just the linens, there are two people in there. One sitting at each side. I don't think they had wings. They may have been in white. She's not quite sure what's going on. Mary is distraught. Why are you crying? Because they've taken my Lord away. And she turns around and there's Jesus. But she doesn't know it's Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. Of course she would think it's the gardener. What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? If you've taken him away, tell me where you laid him and I'll take him. You don't want him here? Remember, Jesus was hung on a cross and cursed. I'm assuming that Mary is going, they don't want him in this grave. This is a rich man's grave. They don't want our Lord here. But we have to take him. We have to get him somewhere. Because cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And then Jesus calls her name. Mary. I think she'd heard him say her name many, many, many times. And now the sound of his voice and the love in his voice convinces her. She sees him and she believes. What does she say to the disciples? I have seen the Lord. And she tells them what he said. Now it's interesting in this passage, John doesn't tell us what he said to the disciples, or what the disciples said back to her. Because they're all in the state of confusion. Mary now is not in the state of confusion. John somewhat believes, but he doesn't tell us what he's saying to them. But he's going to tell us what Mary said, and then he's going to tell us about another event. John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening... The first day of the week, and the doors were shut, the disciples were there for fear of the Judeans. Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They saw and believed. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as my Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Fascinating. Fascinating. 
Now they see him. And now they believe. Catching the picture? See and believe. See and believe. You can see and misunderstand, but they are seeing and they are believing. So, this is the end of that Sunday. And the disciples are gathered and they're still afraid. They don't believe he's risen from the dead. Even though Mary and the other women have said, he's, he's alive. The angel told us. And Mary says, I saw him. I spoke with him. So Jesus appears in the room and immediately shows them his hands and shows them his side. He tells them that they're going to minister on his behalf and they're thrilled. Now they have all seen and they all believe. Except one. So we pick up the the story at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, word means twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands the imprints of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. So that's be tomorrow night, right? Week after the resurrection. And Thomas was with them, and Jesus came through the doors and said to them, Shalom Aleichem, peace be unto you. And he said to Thomas, reach here in my finger, and see my hands, and reach your hand and put it in my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Now in sermon after sermon after sermon, I have heard Thomas just get nailed for what he said. He was no different than the other disciples. They didn't believe Mary. They believed when they saw the nail prints in his hands and his side. And they're telling him, we've seen him too. And he says, okay, Mary saw him and believed. You saw him and believed. I'm not going to believe until I see him. And so Jesus appears and says, See? Now believe. So, all of them saw and believed. They saw and believed because they did not understand the Scriptures. But they're not the only ones that saw Him. I want you to turn with me, before we finish that chapter, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul tells us in this chapter, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you also stand. By which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried... And they was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain alive till now, but some have died. And he appeared to James, and to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles. Now I want you to know something. Jesus appeared to that group 
so that they would be a testimony, but not so they would be the primary basis of faith. The primary basis of faith is that Jesus died according to the scriptures. That he rose according to the scriptures. So now, we got to think about this. Because I know you would say, well, I would love to have seen that. I'd like to be one of those 500 that saw it. That would be a blessing, right? That would be a blessing. That's not the blessing. That's a requirement for being a witness. But there are those who receive a blessing. So back to John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Now listen to what John says. Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. They're not written to make us believe. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. He died according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose according to the Scriptures. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not by anybody's experience. Not even by our own experience. Faith In God's word. Faith comes by hearing. There is something about reading the scriptures. That brings in your being. Light. And faith. And trust. And that's what we hold to. We don't hold to our experience. Even the experience of the resurrection. We hold to the fact. That the resurrection was dependent. On God promising it. And seeing it through. The word of God. Many hear and read the scriptures, but don't believe. But we have read them, and we believe, and we believe that He is risen and that He is Lord. God has placed in our heart the belief that God raised Him from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we need to celebrate the empty tomb, blessed ones, because we're the ones who haven't seen and yet believe. The Father has enabled you to not see and yet believe. We say this a lot during the closing of our ark. Not during this time, but after the ascension. We will close the ark by saying, uh, Unseen yet known through your holy child Jesus, whom we have not seen, and yet we believe. For as your word says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. A lot of people are seeking signs. A lot of people are seeking proof. If you want proof, you have to read the scriptures. It is in the scriptures that your faith is strengthened. It's in the scriptures that your faith becomes solid. And it is in the scriptures that we know that he died and that he rose again. Because the scripture says, he is not here. He is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful, Father, for the blessing that we have 
that we have access to your word, that we can know your word, that we can study your word, we can do your word. And in the doing of that, our faith is strengthened. Let us not cut ourselves off from your word, Lord, because by it we come to faith. And that faith is in resurrection. The one thing that mocks our faith is death. But resurrection overcomes death. So Lord, as we celebrate this resurrection and we count these Sabbaths towards Pentecost and the giving of your spirit, let us be reinforced and reinformed as we read your word and as we hear of the activities that happened in the time after the resurrection. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.